Happy Resurrection Day. Probably this isn't your first plan as far as Easter goes, or at least it's not mine. I had some different plans to celebrate Easter uh, than this. Usually uh, at Great Oaks, we have record crowds on Easter. It's big. We've got lots of people. It's here in the building and crazy and exciting and fun. And I like it uh, because Easter is the most important holiday for us as Christ followers. It's when we celebrate uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And without the resurrection, we have no faith. We have no reason to gather. We, we have no hope. The resurrection changed everything. But let me be clear. The truth and power of the resurrection remains constant every Easter, no matter what we're going through. Every day, no matter what we're facing. The resurrection was the most impactful moment in history. It doesn't change no matter if you're celebrating it in a building with a huge crowd of people or around a computer screen or a TV screen with your family during this COVID situation. So I think you should celebrate big, as big as you can every year. I think the resurrection during the Easter season and definitely on Easter Sunday should be the priority. It should be the center of what you're doing. You should get as many people to church as possible to hear the message and the truth and the power of the resurrection. I don't think I don't think Easter is a good time to have that, you know, go have that tradition where you go to your sisters or your aunts out of state or whatever. I think I think the resurrection should be central and you should go big and you should get as many people there as possible. And that looks different this year. But that's okay. Because like I've said throughout this COVID situation, when the ideal is lacking, God's grace abounds. Thank God that we get to gather, that his grace is in this whole online church thing, that we can still gather digitally throughout this COVID crisis. And so thank God for that. But I want you to understand there will be a day. There will be a day where this ends. Your now is not your forever. There is a day. There's going to be a day where we get to gather in person again. And I want you to prepare for that. Think about that. Pray towards that. Plan for that. Because we're going to throw a party. We're going to invite everybody. And it's going to be big. So don't miss that. If you don't know me, my name is Pastor Jake. I'm the lead pastor here at Great Oaks. And I didn't, I didn't grow up in this area. In fact, I grew up in Texas. And I remember as a kid in Texas, we used to listen to Paul Harvey on the radio. Maybe you don't know who Paul Harvey is, just Google him after this. But if you do know who Paul Harvey is, and you remember his catchphrase, go ahead and say that out loud right now. He used to say, and now you know the rest of the story. He had a radio program called The Rest of the Story. Well, we're starting a series today, a series of messages with a similar idea. We've called it Not for Sunday School. And we're taking on seven stories, events, passages in the Bible that we tend to skip over in Sunday School. Some of them we, we skip over altogether and for good reason. Others, we tell part of the story, but not the rest of the story. Not for Sunday School. It's going to be a great series. And my purpose for doing this series is really twofold. One is just to have fun. I hope to preach some interesting, fun messages, and we could all use some fun right now, right? And the second one is that if you've been in church a long time, you grew up in Sunday school, you grew up in church, I hope to give you some new angles to some old stories, 
some new angles to some passages and events in the Bible that you've known about for a long time, but maybe, maybe you didn't get the whole story. It's going to be great, and if you're new to Great Oaks, it's a great time to just stick with us over this series and get to know us and get to understand who we are as a church, and it'll be fun. Uh, we're going to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. We're going to talk about Lefty and the Fat King, Jesus's not-so-great day and his least favorite tree. We're going to talk about a lot of fun stories. Don't miss it. Let's get into it right now. If you have your Bible, you can head over to John chapter 18 and Matthew chapter 27, and we'll get there in just a minute. I, I love superheroes. I always have uh, loved superheroes. If we're talking about Marvel, I like Captain America. If we're talking about DC Comics, I've always been a Flash fan. And I've always liked to think about you know, what it would be like to have a superpower. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Go ahead and say it out loud. Would it be invisibility, strength, flight, speed? How about laser eyes? That's what my kids always pick when we play this game. And they also pick shape-shifting. Shape-shifting and laser eyes seem to be their favorite. That would be cool to have those. But our culture, man, is, is consumed with superheroes. DC Comics and Marvel, they've made a fortune off of our culture's desire for the supernatural, desire for someone greater, someone more powerful to come in and save the day. It's really, really interesting. In fact, that's the, that's the story arc of every superhero, right? They, first, they, they discover their abilities, their new powers, and they try to learn how to use them. And then they start to save a few people, and that feels right and feels good. And then, and then they're faced with a threat that looks like they're not going to be able to overcome, a threat that they can't really beat, can't really defeat. Usually it's a combination, right? There's this big threat from outside of themselves, and that causes a threat inside of themselves, self-doubt, and am I good enough for this, and do I deserve this, and all of that. But then when that huge threat is going to destroy everybody, the city, the nation, the world, whatever, our hero steps up and saves the day. He comes in and he fights for those who can't fight for themselves. She flies in at the last second, risking everything, and wins. The threat, the danger is defeated, avoided, or maybe just delayed until the next episode, the next comic, the next movie, right? We love our superheroes. We love to watch them, and the Marvel and DC Comics have proven that. That's why the movies do so well at the box office. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think it's bad. I, don't, I really don't even think it's a cultural thing. I think every culture, every person has this desire in them for the supernatural, has this desire in them for someone greater, someone with power to show up and save the day. In fact, I think, I think God put that in us from the beginning. At the end of each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we get a window into the last week of Jesus' life before uh, the, the crucifixion and the resurrection. Uh, and 
We've, this last week, been doing every day, been dropping a video on Facebook and on our website of a, a video devotion, going into each day of Passion Week or Holy Week, leading up to Jesus's resurrection on, on that Sunday. If you've missed those or didn't know about those, you can get them on our Facebook page or you can go to easter.greatoaks.church. They're about five minutes long each and kind of dive deeper into it. But I want to I want to give you just a bird's eye view of, of what happened that week before Jesus was resurrected. Most of you, maybe many of you, have, have, un, have uh, heard this before and know what happened, uh, but I just want to remind us. And then I want to zero in on two things that happened, two kind of made-for-Hollywood moments, both on Friday before Jesus resurrects on Sunday, uh, both moments that we tend to gloss over in Sunday school or don't spend a lot of time on. But let's talk about the timeline of Holy Week or Passion Week. On Sunday, the Sunday before Resurrection Sunday, seven days before, uh, we have what's called the Triumphant Entry, uh, where Jesus, it's Palm Sunday, right? He gets on a donkey and he rides into Jerusalem and, and people lay down palm branches and cloaks before him and they, they yell out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. They're, they're saying he's the savior. They're welcoming, welcoming him in as the Messiah. That happens on Sunday. Then on Monday, we see kind of a different side of Jesus. We see his wrath and we see his jealousy for his father's house as he goes into the temple and he, he clears it out. He cleanses the temple. Then on Tuesday, Jesus is in Jerusalem and it's kind of a day of teaching. Um, he he says, teaches us a lot of parables and other things. And in fact, we have some of our more famous parables from this Tuesday before Jesus goes to the cross on Friday. Parables like the parable of the talents and the 10 virgins and the prodigal son are among those. So Tuesday is teaching in Jerusalem. On Wednesday, that, that's the day that, that Judas decides he's going to betray Jesus. Then on Thursday, we have the Passover meal with the disciples. So we call this the Last Supper because it's the last time that Jesus eats a meal with the disciples before he goes to the cross. A lot happens in the Last Supper. Jesus indicates that Judas is the one that's going to betray him. He, he washes the disciples' feet. He, he predicts that Peter's going to deny him three times. And he institutes the Lord's Supper or communion or Eucharist, depending on your your tradition. All of this happens in the Last Supper, and the Gospel of John really gives us a lot of detail about what goes on at that supper. But after they eat and after they celebrate the Passover, Jesus and his disciples, they sing a hymn on Thursday night, and they head to Gethsemane, Jesus to pray and his disciples to try to pray, but to fall asleep. And then Thursday night turns into, turns into Friday morning, and on Friday, Jesus is arrested and he's tried. Um, he's brought before Pilate and, and some of the people who were screaming, Hosanna in the highest, are now in this crowd screaming, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. He's sentenced to be executed on a Roman cross. The Gospel of Mark says that he's on the cross on Friday for six straight hours, dying an excruciating death. At the end of it, he says, it is finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And at that moment, the, there's this earthquake and, and the curtain in the temple is ripped in two. And 
Then they take Jesus' lifeless body and Joseph of Arimathea places it in a tomb Friday evening. Then Friday turns into Saturday, and on Saturday it's the Sabbath, and there's not much in the Gospels about what happens that day. The disciples and his followers, I think, are just trying to get past the Sabbath. They're distraught. They're confused. But then Sunday comes, Resurrection Sunday. And on Sunday, the women are at the tomb checking on it, and and they find it to be open. The stone rolled away. The body of Jesus has disappeared. And an angel um, appears to the women and says that Jesus is risen. And then Mary becomes the first evangelist ever, the first person to ever go and tell someone else the good news, the gospel, that Jesus is risen. She runs and tells the 11 disciples. They don't believe them, don't believe the women in the beginning, but then they run out to the tomb, find it open, Jesus' body gone, and they begin to believe. Jesus then appears to the disciples over a period of 40 days, and then he ascends into heaven, where he now sits at the right hand of the Father. These are the basics. Jesus is risen. The resurrection changed everything. It's the most impactful moment in human history. Without the resurrection, we have no hope. We we have no reason to gather. We have no reason to celebrate. We have no reason to believe. Our faith is in the resurrection. Our future is in the resurrection. These are the basics. But I want to show you two things that happen on that Friday that we tend to kind of skip over in Sunday school. Two kind of made-for-Hollywood moments. So John 18, head there first. We'll spend just a, a little bit there, and then we'll head over to Matthew 27, where we'll spend most of our time. But in John 18, this is Friday early morning, just after midnight, Jesus has woken up the disciples and said, hey, the time is at hand, and the, the soldiers show up with Judas to arrest Jesus. That's what's going on. And then in verse 4 of John chapter 18, it says this, Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. So Jesus says, Whom do you seek? The soldiers say, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am he. Look at verse 6. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, I told you that I'm he. So if you seek me, let these men go. So this is is interesting. The soldiers are there to arrest Jesus. Jesus knows he's going to the cross. Verse 4 just told us that he, he knew what was going to happen. And yet he does this thing. He chooses to do this thing where he says, I am he. And it blows the soldiers back onto the ground, the power of his words. I mean, it's almost like Jesus is just making sure everybody knows, like, hey, I'm choosing this. Like, I am letting this happen. Nobody's making me do this. That's basically what he says to Peter in the Matthew version of this this instant in the life of Jesus where he's being arrested. In that version, in that account, uh, Peter grabs a sword from from a soldier and he he swings it and cuts off a soldier's ear. And Jesus just kind of goes, hey, stop it. Just stop. 
If I wanted to fight, I could, I could just, in a word, just use a word, and, and, and 12 legions of angels would come and fight for me. Now, Peter, no one's taking my life. I'm giving it willingly. It's, it's interesting. And I love how Jesus, in this John passage, how he says again, whom do you seek? Like the soldier's like laying on the ground, and he goes, whom do you seek? get up let's get on with this like whom do you see gonna do this or not it's really interesting then he throws in that classic hero phrase right that classic hero line hey your beef is with me let my friends go so powerful are jesus's words that they blow the the soldiers back on the ground they drop them to their knees I mean, Jesus is about to be crucified. He's hours from being tried unfairly and beaten and mocked, and he is brimming with power. He's absolutely brimming with it. Beloved, this isn't plan B. This is not like Jesus was, was going to you know, set up his earthly kingdom right then and overthrow Rome, but the, man, the religious rulers were crafty and they prevailed and Jesus had to call an audible and ad lib and, and go with plan B. That's not, that's not what's happening here. This is, this is not plan B. This is the plan. This is Jesus' plan from the beginning of time. He could have, with just one more word, ended the whole thing. But instead, he chose to go to the cross for you and for me. Look at Matthew chapter 27. Show you another one of these incredible moments on that Friday. Something weird happens that we don't usually spend a lot of time on in Sunday school. Did you know that during this COVID situation that shows and movies about outbreaks and viruses and epidemics and and zombies are like top in the charts, like other than the Tiger King, which is a, a social phenomenon we'll talk about at a later date, okay? But the Walking Dead is popular again. Well, there's kind of a kind of a Walking Dead moment in Matthew chapter 27. It's it's really interesting. Look at look at verse 45. This is still Friday. So what we read in John 18 was Friday morning, just after midnight, when the soldiers came to the Garden of Gethsemane. This is now at the end of Friday. Jesus has been on the cross for six hours straight, and he's about to allow himself to die, to yield up his own spirit, to die for your sin and for my sin. Look at verse 45 of Matthew 27. It says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land, until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. One of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. So Jesus, who earlier this morning was brimming with such power that when he said, I am he, the soldiers fell to their knees on the ground, is now willingly yielding up his spirit on the cross, the scriptures say. Look at verse 51. 
And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. So in the temple, there was this huge curtain, like 30 feet by 30 feet, like monstrously thick, and it, it divided and separated the Holy of Holies, the innermost part of the temple, from the rest of the temple. And no one was allowed in the Holy of Holies except for the high priest. And even he was only allowed in there once a year when he offered the sacrifice for the sins of the whole nation of Israel. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price once and for all. And to show that, he had the, the temple curtain, this huge curtain, miraculously ripped into the Holy of Holies, now available to all who believe. That's crazy enough, right? But also the earth begins to shake so violently that rocks break in half. I mean, this is an intense scene, but it gets, it gets even better. Look at verse 52. It says, The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. What? I told you that I was going to get a little walking dead in here today, right? Jesus gives his life on the cross, and so powerful was his sacrifice on the cross that the temple curtain is ripped in two, and rocks break in half, and tombs begin to open in Jerusalem. So powerful is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ that the dead are raised, that saints from the Old Testament are walking the streets of Jerusalem. So, so powerful are his words in John 18 that his enemies fall to their knees, and so powerful is his sacrifice in Matthew 20. 27, that the dead are raised. And this is, this is what we're hoping for, right? Someone greater. This is what we're all longing for, someone, someone with power, someone to come and, and save the day, someone with power, power to raise the dead, power to knock our enemies to their knees. Power to raise the dead things inside of us. Dead hope, dead joy, dead faith. Power to knock down the enemies inside of us. Sin, alluring, doubt, crippling. Insecurity, damaging. Shame, suffocating. Addiction, overwhelming. This is what we're longing for. Someone greater, someone with power to save the day. Someone with the power to raise the dead and knock our enemies to their knees. Listen, beloved. Jesus is for real. The guards really did fall to their knees, really were blown back to the ground when Jesus said in John 18, I am he. And the rocks really did split in two. The curtain in the temple really did rip in half. And the dead really were raised in Jerusalem when Jesus said, it is finished. Jesus is for real, but I've got good news and bad news. The bad news is that the soldiers in John 18, they, they still arrested Jesus. 
Even with this amazing demonstration of his power, they, they were undeterred in their evil purpose. And in Matthew 27, the, the city of Jerusalem didn't turn to Christ because of the dead walking her streets that day. What I'm saying is that even in the face of such power, there will be those who choose to hold on to the dead things in their lives. Maybe some of you who, who, will, who will choose the enemy of your soul over the savior of your soul. There will be those who, who will choose darkness over light because they've become accustomed to it. It's all they know. There will be those who choose death over life because they're familiar with it. Death is their friend. There will be those who choose the wide road that leads to destruction over the narrow gate that leads to life that Jesus is offering because the crowds are easier to follow. They'd rather not stand alone. That's the bad news. But the good news is that if you believe if you put your faith in Jesus Christ once and for all, in his resurrection once and for all, then the same power that knocked his enemies to their knees will begin knocking your enemies down one by one. And the same power that raised him back to life, that raised the dead back to life in Matthew 27, will begin raising dead things in you back to life. The same power. That's what Ephesians chapter 1 says. Let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. It's Ephesians 1, 17. The Apostle Paul is praying a prayer, and he prays something very specific for you and for me. Look at what he says in verse 17. Paul prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? Not just any power. What kind of power? The power that's according to the working of his great might. What great might? The great might, verse 20, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now try to, try to get here with me. The same power, the same God-saturated supernatural power that was at work in raising Jesus from the dead and healing his wounds and putting his body back together is at work in you and me. It's at work in us. So, so at all times, at the deepest part of our being, the Holy Spirit of God, the power of God is at work restoring and breaking down and rebuilding and healing wounds and replacing broken parts and putting fractured bodies back together. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us. To work in us. In who? Everyone? No, not everyone. It said, in those who believe. Because most people don't run there. Most people run to the latest feel-good meme they find on social media or the latest self-help fad making big promises. 
But the truth is that you do not have within yourself the ability to fix yourself. Believe me now or believe me 10 or 15 years from now when you're still struggling with the same secret cyclical sin. You don't have the power to raise dead things back to life. And according to Ephesians 2, we're all broken and in need of fixing. I know that because I didn't have to teach my kids to to withhold mercy, to withhold forgiveness. I didn't have to teach my kids to want more, hoard more, to lie. My kids came by that honestly, okay? I didn't have to teach them. I'm trying to teach them good. I'm trying to teach them right. I'm trying to teach them holiness. Where does that selfishness come from? It's because they were born broken. I was born broken too. You were born broken too. Listen, you're not going to be able to fix it. Your lust issues, you're not going to be able to fix it. Your rage and your anger, you're not going to be able to fix it. Your your bitterness, you're not going to be able to fix it. You don't have the power of life and death. You can't resurrect anything. You don't have the power to raise dead things back to life. But Jesus does. Jesus absolutely does. It's why we celebrate him. It's why we consistently and constantly boast about him. It's why the mantra, our mantra is, I can't. I know you hear a different mantra out there. I know you hear a different mantra on Facebook and on the TV and whatever. The mantra that goes, you're enough. You're strong enough. Just find it within yourself. Just focus on you. But beloved, Anyone who boasts in themselves is either dishonest or deceived. We can boast in the cross, in the cross alone, in the power of Jesus, in the power of Jesus alone. The same power, the same power that, that, that flowed from Jesus in John 18 and knocked the soldiers to their knees is at work in us. The same power that flowed from the cross when Jesus yielded up his spirit and ripped the curtain in the temple in two and broke rocks in half and raised the dead in Jerusalem is at work in us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in me and it's at work in you and all who believe. It's such a great promise, isn't it? We, we love our superheroes, don't we? What if, what if God put that desire in us on purpose? What if he put that desire for someone greater? Because there is someone greater. But what if what if every story, that, that, the stories that span human history itself, every story of someone powerful helping someone weak, what if, what if they're all pointing towards one hero, someone with actual power, someone who can, who can actually save you, someone with the power to raise the dead and knock your enemies to their knees? What if you're supposed to be looking for someone? Beloved, I'm here to tell you that that someone is Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ left heaven, came to earth, entered human history, and died on a Roman cross in your place and in my place. They took his lifeless body and they placed it in a tomb. But just like your favorite superhero story, Jesus was not, he he was down, but he wasn't out. He was crushed, but he was not defeated because then he defeated death, hell, and the grave by raising back to life. He defeated death, hell, and the grave in the resurrection. The resurrection changed everything. It's the most impactful moment in 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 human history. Without the resurrection, we have no reason to gather. We have no reason to celebrate. We have no reason to hope or to believe. Our faith is in the resurrection. Our future is in the resurrection. Jesus' power to raise dead things back to life. Dead things like me. So what's dead on the inside of you right now? What enemies are you fighting on the inside of yourself right now? Depression? Loneliness? Panic over this COVID-19 thing? What are you fighting? What dead things are you fighting? Maybe Maybe it's financial issues. Maybe you lost your job in this thing. Maybe, maybe you lost your hope. Maybe you lost your joy. Insecurity, doubt. Maybe you'd say, hey, if I'm honest, I used to have faith, but it's been dead for a long time. Maybe your marriage isn't going like you want it to go. Your parenting, your relationship with your kids isn't going like you want it to go. Maybe you're struggling with Lust issues, anger issues, greed. You just can't get enough stuff or enough money. What dead things are inside of you right now? What enemies are you facing inside of yourself? Beloved, I'm here to tell you that you don't have to face those things on your own. In fact, It makes no sense to face those things on your own. You can't win this fight. You can't face this threat because here's the thing. Your hero has arrived. I'm here to tell you that your Savior is here. You don't have to do this on your own. Don't even try. Instead, put your faith in Jesus Christ once and for all. Trust In the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the power that raised him from the dead to raise those dead things back to life in you, the power that defeated the enemies of Jesus to defeat the enemies inside of you. Choose Christ and live. I know we're gathered in all over the place, you know, in living rooms that dining room tables, maybe looking at your phone or whatever. But wherever you are, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to have a quiet moment of prayer with me. So as much as you can, try to get into an attitude of prayer here. Jesus, thank you for your goodness and mercy. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you, God, that your power, the power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in me. 
raising dead things back to life, defeating enemies, making me into a new creation. Thank you that even in the midst of a, of a, of a worldwide crisis, a worldwide pandemic, your truth is still true. Your hope is still secure. And your strength is still something we can lean on. Thank you, God, for never leaving us nor forsaking us. I ask, God, as I always do, that whatever was of me in this message would be quickly forgotten. Whatever was of you would stick with us, would like a seed find good soil in the hearts of many, would take root, and would eventually bear fruit, maybe even soon. As we continue in an attitude of prayer, I want to give you a moment to make a decision for Jesus. Listen, you don't have to be in a church building or with a pastor to make a decision for Christ. It doesn't matter if you're sitting on a couch or standing or at your kitchen table or wherever you are. You can make a decision for Christ, a life-changing decision for Jesus right now. Today can be the day of your salvation. So I want to invite you to do that. All you have to do is just put your faith, pray to God, and ask him to help you put your faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Put your faith in Jesus. Ask him to help you surrender. Make a decision that from this day forward, he'll be your savior, the one who defeated death for you, and he'll be your Lord, the leader of your life. Your decisions will go through him from this day forward. All you have to have to be saved is just a belief in Jesus and a willingness to follow him. The Holy Spirit will do the rest. So pray that prayer. We've got people here ready to pray for you on this online platform, on Facebook, wherever you're joining us from. People in the chat that would love to pray for you. And so reach out to them and we would love to help you through that. Or reach out to us later this week. But I encourage you to pray with whoever you're watching this with, whoever's in your room, whoever's in your house right now. Go, go pray with them and give your life over to Christ. And maybe, maybe you're already a Christ follower, but if you're honest, there are some dead things inside of you that need resurrecting. There are some enemies that you've, you've given into that, that you need Jesus, the power, the resurrecting power of Jesus to overcome and defeat. Whatever that is, just pray right now. Tell whoever you're with and pray, God, help me. Maybe, maybe it's hope that needs to be resurrected in you. Maybe it's faith. Maybe it's joy. I believe God and his resurrecting power wants to meet you right where you are. And that as you have faith in him, put your faith in him, as you pray that prayer, I believe God is going to meet you right here, wherever you're at, and raise back to life that which is dead in you. So I invite you to do that. We'd love to pray for you in any way that we can. Jesus, thank you for those who would make decisions today. Holy Spirit, ask that you would transform lives, that you would give us boldness and confidence to step out in faith and follow you. God, if our hope and our peace has been shaken during COVID, I pray that we would realize that's because our hope and our peace have been placed in the wrong area, in the wrong place. And we would today place our hope and our peace in you. Once and for all, we would run to you for that resurrection power. We love you, Jesus. We put all this into your hands and we trust you with it. It's in your holy and precious name that we pray. Amen.
Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you talk this over with your life group. If you're not in a life group, we're still doing life groups, even through COVID. We're doing those on Zoom and they're going great. People are even jumping into new life groups. And so we would love to help you with that. Just write it in the comments or let us know that you're interested some way. Go to our website, email us. We'll get you into a life group this week. As always, my challenge to you is to leave here, to exit out of this window, to close down your computer or turn off your TV, to leave here not dismissed, but sent. Be a Jesus follower in this time of panic and struggling and suffering. Be a Jesus follower who makes and disciples other Jesus followers. Next week, we continue not for Sunday school. We're going to be talking about Gideon's faithless fleece. I hope you join us then. Sing with us. God bless.